How many think sometimes on Wednesday nights a little, little bit difficult to capture your thoughts, focus your attention, and ready yourself for the service? Amen? Nobody? Everybody's good? Does anybody even hear what I said? Let's start, let's start that again. Amen. Give these youngins an opportunity to get out, out, out the door. I applaud you. I commend you tonight. I thank you for your effort to be here on a Wednesday night. I know it's difficult. Sometimes it's, it's even difficult once we get here to be here because we've got tomorrow awaiting us. We're trying to sort through all the details of the day, trying to make sense of what we've done today and, and ready ourselves for tomorrow's work day. I understand. But if we could just for a 30 minutes say, God, just help me focus. I need something from you tonight. Here's the deal. If I come in with the natural process of thinking, human reasoning, if I come from a job, walk into the house of the Lord, my mind's on different things. This right here is a spiritual thing. And it's, it's very difficult. And this, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not about, this is not about a, a scolding whatsoever. This, that's not, not even in my mindset. I'm trying to bring us to an understanding that this is spiritual. So when I walk through into the presence of God, i got to get into a spiritual frame of mind in order to receive anything. It's very easy to sit through a 45-minute service and someone say, what was the message about? And you say, that's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. What was the message about? Right? It's easy to do that. So I'm not going to occupy five minutes of time uh, talking about that, but I do ask you in Jesus' name to remind yourself right now where you are. Amen? This is not Walmart. This is the house of God. Could, could we agree together that the meeting place of God's people with God is the most important place we go all week? I don't know where you go, but I can tell you this. This is the most important place I go all week. I get to be with you fine folks, and I get to be with my God. The Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy, and he said the church, that's the foundation where the truth is laid. It's the house of God where God's people meet. Think about this. The privilege we have to walk in this sanctuary to be able to read together the Word of God and to be able to study to show ourselves approved. What a weight that's placed on us when we walk into the house of the Lord. And it's a great privilege to be here. So the Apostle Paul said, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And that's where we're at tonight, the house of God. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to 
start a series tonight, but this is just simply laying a foundation, and we're going we're gonna to proceed from here. But I want to I get into our worship relationship with God, our, how God has called us as a holy nation and our worship unto God. He said that he is looking for someone that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Beyond just the hand clap, beyond the praise, but in spirit and in truth. To worship him on a different level than simply coming to the house of the Lord and enjoying the music of a praise team, right? To get, and it doesn't have to be a house setting. It can be a at your home or in your vehicle or wherever you might be, that you enter into that realm of worship. And if we can understand the concept, if we can understand where we're coming from and the plan of God for our lives, then we can rest, be at peace with him, and worship him properly. So hopefully, by the good grace of God, for the next few weeks, we're going to study this and try to make sense of this. But tonight, I want to take your attention to Genesis chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 through 3. To get us started, if you would stand with me for the reading of the word. Sister Cindy, so good to see your family. I do greatly apologize for not remembering your last name. You come back, I will remember it, absolutely. But I, I've known Sister Cindy for years, but uh, I apologize. But you all, are, you all are certainly welcome here tonight. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, who did he say this to? Abram. He was not Abraham yet. His name had not been changed yet. He was not a nation yet. He was not a father yet in the natural. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing I will bless them that curse thee, verse 3. I will bless them that bless thee, curse him that curseth thee. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Pray with me. Father, we honor you and we thank you for this great privilege, the love you have toward your people, your willingness, Lord God, to pay a price that was far greater than what we could pay. You gave your life that I might have life. God, we thank you tonight. I ask you to grant us a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, the discerning of spirit. I ask you tonight to help us be able to focus our attention, capture every thought. I want you to bring every spirit under the subjection of the Holy Ghost and anoint our minds that we might receive from your throne tonight as we study. We love you. We honor you asking your help. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to minister from this thought beyond Abraham. We look at a covenant, we look at a promise, we look at a relationship, we look at how God saw a man that he wanted to build on. He wanted to use him uniquely, he wanted to use him mightily, he wanted to use him in such a capacity that all families of the earth, do we get that part? All families of the earth will be blessed by Abram. God's looking at something that Abraham cannot see. God is viewing something that Abraham cannot comprehend. God is seeing something that Abraham cannot even fathom in his dreams. So as I begin to look at Abram or Abraham being a central figure in the Bible, 
As we study the Bible, you cannot escape the fact that Abram or Abraham was a central figure in the whole layout of God's plan for humanity. We know Adam. We understand he was the first. We understand God breathed into his nostrils. He became a living soul. But you cannot escape the fact that Abram, Abraham was used greatly, mightily by God. The question I want to ask you this evening is, do you think Abraham had an understanding of the capacity that God was using him. Do you think Abraham had an understanding, even though God is promising him, I'm going to make you a nation, that Abraham was understanding what the word that God was speaking to him actually entailed? Because we find Abram trying to take care of himself from time to time to save himself. You understand? Whenever he got into the presence of other men, he would say, she's my sister. In other words, I need to protect myself. I need to provide for myself. I need to be cautious on how I'm dealing with people because I do not want them to kill me to have her, so I need to protect myself. So it may be that when God's making these promises that they're going over his head just a little. And he's under, not understanding the fact that God is his buckler, his provider, his shield, his way maker, however you want to term it, as David would term that. But God is wanting to create in Abraham something that Abraham cannot create in himself. As we look into these scriptures tonight, when God created Adam, we understand that he created him in his own image. In fact, he created him in the image of the second Adam. Chapter 1, verse 26 said he gave him dominion over everything. And we understand the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, which is the express image of God, walked in that dominion, that authority. So whenever you see Jesus, you realize that he could speak to the dead and say, Lazarus, come forth. He could speak to the storm. Peace be still. He could speak to the tree. No man will eat of you again. He could do anything he wanted to do. He was walking in that authority, that dominion power that was given to Adam in Genesis 1.26 as the second Adam. We see where God is wanting to use Adam to begin the process, but he's using Jesus to change the process, to fulfill the process. So as we look in here, if we can get an understanding, if we can get this concept, if we can receive this, this is beyond Abraham. This is bigger than Abraham. This is larger than Abraham. Abraham is a central figure, but this goes far beyond Abram or Abraham. Can we understand tonight, and, and I need you to just focus for a few moments this afternoon. Can we understand that everything that we read in the Bible was perfectly calculated out by God on timing? He's not limited by time. He said a day to the Lord is a thousand years or a thousand years is a day. He's not limited by time. But everything he did, if we're talking about in, in man's recorded history, 6,000 years, everything he did was calculated perfectly 
in his time. From the creation to our day, we look through the landscape. We look through how all these things are written from the prophets prophesying of Jesus, his birth, his ascension, his return, outpouring of the Holy Ghost. All these things are forecast. All these things are prophesied. And we see them fulfilled in the New Testament. And then we step into a new dimension and we realize the fact that there is going to be a rapture of the church. It's going to be perfectly timed. And we may very well have people in this church today that is alive, that will be alive when the rapture of the church... Get this in our spirit tonight, saint of God. We're talking about the, how God began the process of working all things out for our good through his own counsel for his will to be accomplished. And we may be the church that fulfills it. Notice Genesis chapter 15, that was Genesis 12. God made the promise. God wanted to establish the covenant. God was saying, if you will, Abraham, I will. Genesis 15, verse 12 through 16. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep. A terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, this is chapter 15, book of Genesis. Notice his name still Abram, not Abraham. You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Can we understand the fact that God is speaking future tense this hasn't happened yet. Abraham don't have descendants yet. Abraham don't have children yet. Abraham is not a nation yet. Abraham don't have Isaac, Jacob, Esau, or the 12 tribes. All of this is in the mind, the plan, the concept of what God is wanting to achieve. Can we understand we are part of this plan Amen. We are part of this plan, and we may be the very fulfilling of the plan. You and I, we get to see through the pages that have been written as, whole, as the Holy Ghost moved on men of old, and they wrote, and all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. We have it in our hands. We call it our Holy Bible. Sixty-six books that are compressed or compiled into one book we hold in our hand. The most popular book ever written, the best-selling book ever written. And it gives us an understanding of how God began this and how he's going to end this. And we may very well be the church that ends this. We may very well be the generation that fulfills the plan that God had as he began with Adam and he worked his way all through these great men, these great women that we read about in the Bible. And we may very well be the ones. Notice what he says. You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace, 
and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. For the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Can we imagine a God that has already calculated this? Why do I get upset with a bump in the road? Why do I get upset when things aren't working the way I want them to work? When I've got good detail from the word of God, he's working all things out. He's calculated it in his time. He's got this. Eighty times he said, fear not, in the word of God. But yet we step back sometimes and we make this whole thing about us and not realize the fact that he had Abraham. He had every day of his life calculated out. He knew when Isaac was going to be born. He knew when Jacob was going to be born. He knew when Joseph was going to be in a pit. He knew when Joseph was going to be in a prison. He knew when the famine was going to end. He knew when they were going to march into Israel. He knew when Pharaoh was going to die. He knew when a new Pharaoh was going to enslave them and whip them and He knew when they were going to exit. He said 400 years, four generations. I'm going to punish the people, but they're going to come out with great wealth. Know this, Abraham, before you ever have your first child. There's going to be descendants. There's going to be a good land. This is going to be the greatest land on earth. But that's that's not the fulfilling of the plan. It's not about this earth. It's beyond Abraham. It's... He's going to take them to a a Jerusalem in preparation for a new Jerusalem. And it's fulfilling throughout these thousands of years and it may very well be fulfilled with you and I going into the new Jerusalem as they look for a land that was flowing with milk and honey. We're looking for this promised land that God has promised unto us, but we are going to receive it. Notice. This was before Abram was changed to Abraham. This was before Isaac. Can we we understand the concept? God was speaking into death as if it was alive. Sarah could not have children. Her womb was dead. What God was doing was creating a need in them for him. If they could have had children, they didn't need God for the children. But he created a need in them for him. And now they have to reach out to him. Now they have to press toward him. Now they have to rely on him. Now that faith is checked. Now that faith level has to elevate. Now we're into this age we know we're not going to have a child but God steps in and he's already speaking future tense. He's already speaking nations. He's already speaking people that are as of the sand of the sea and stars of the sky without number. He's already looking beyond Abraham. He's already looking into another generation. He's looking beyond the new Jer- or the Jerusalem to the new Jerusalem. What God's looking for is people of faith that will trust Him for the miraculous. We stopped with verse 16. Notice what verse 18 states. 
Genesis 15, verse 18. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants. Wouldn't that be a good place for Abram to interject? God, I don't have children, right? But God's not talking about what you have today. But he's looking into your tomorrow and already sees the blessing that he's already given you. And that's the reason I'm trying to get my level of faith to a higher place where God, every promise he makes, every covenant that he makes with us, that we don't get shook up by the things around us, that we don't concern ourselves with the details of this world because this old world is not our home. How are we going to make it through the day? By the good grace of God, because he's already planned the day. He's already, he said, he's already worked into our tomorrows. So we look in here. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. God made the promise. And now over a period of hundreds of years, he'll begin to fill in the blank. He'll begin to fill in the gaps. He'll begin to work the plan. Can we understand this? God has the concept. He has the plan. He has it already detailed out, already calculated out. In the New Testament, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples said, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to us now? He said, don't worry about the time that the Father has placed in his own his own power. You don't worry about the timing. You go to Jerusalem and get the Holy Ghost. Right? Is that what he said? So we look in here and we understand God has this master plan. The master is working the master plan. And here we are today. We're part of the plan. The people go through their day. We can read about it. They're in survival mode. But God's working all things out according to his own counsel. If God planned for a lamb on Calvary, think about this. God had planned for a rapture and a new Jerusalem. If he had planned for a lamb and a Calvary before the creation, do you not think he's already calculated in the rapture and the new Jerusalem? So all of this is part of the plan. I'm trying to get our mindset of the God that we're serving. When we walk through these doors, what mindset do we need to be in? We're dealing with a God that's so far beyond our understanding that we're not going to receive it in a carnal nature. We're not going to receive it without prayer. We're not going to receive it without revelation. We're not going to receive what he has for us. So we've got to in, invite his presence, but we've also got to prepare our minds for his presence. We've got to get ourselves to where we can receive what he's saying. We can read the word all day long, but if we're not receiving it with revelation, it's just another good book. 
And that comes through prayer. And that comes through concentration and focus of trying to tie one scripture with another scripture and understanding. So we look into scripture and Abraham is one man with one son. But he was talking nations. He was talking, Sister May's people without number. Think about this. Abraham is one man with one son. Isaac is one man with two sons. Jacob is one man with 12 sons. And from there, we read it. We know it. It's a history book to you and I. But think about when they were living it out. God said, Abram, your descendants are, is going to inherit this land. And if we can get to it, I'm going to read the scripture where he said it is the greatest land on earth. It's the, it's, it's the best land on earth, what I'm giving to you. I want you to think about this. 400 years. Bell County, Kentucky is my home. I was raised here, born here, grew up here. Here is in Bell County, not Claiborne County. But this area. This area, that's my, this is my home. I'm comfortable here. The reason it's my home is because I grew up here. I want you to think about this. God said this land that they're going to go to is going to oppress them 400 years. But I've got this land over here for them. Jacob walks in. The old patriarch when he walks in and Joseph is there, they start talking future. We're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving. This ain't a home. We're leaving, we're going back, we're going back home, we're going back home. But think about this. About 200 years in, the children that are born in Egypt, that's their home. Promised land, don't know anything about promised land. Lamb flowing with milk and honey, that sounds good. This is okay with us, right? This is good land. Pharaoh loves us. We've got great place, got great pasture land. Everything's right. This is a good place. God is so faithful to his promise that he now has to create a need in them for him to get them out because they're home. Egypt's home. But God said, no. 400 years has elapsed, but I made a promise to Abraham that I'm not going to break. I made a promise to Abraham, you may like it here, but you're not staying here. You're going over here because I made a promise I don't break my promise. Can we get a revelation of that? When God makes you a promise, I don't care what you do, God don't break his promise. That, that's a fact. God doesn't break his promise. He made a promise to Abraham, made a covenant with Abraham. He said, your children are going to be there, but they're coming out. The people were comfortable. They were happy. He said, let's make them unhappy because they're leaving. Let's make them uncomfortable because they're leaving. We, we've learned to walk like the Egyptians. He said, we're about to get you out of there. And all of a sudden, their good Pharaoh that loved Joseph died. Joseph's dead. Another Pharaoh rises, Brother Mays. He don't know Joseph. He don't know the people. He looks and sees them as a threat. 
They're a, they're a nation that's moved into our nation. They don't belong here. Let's oppress them. Let's whip them. Let's make slaves out of them. Let's make them build buildings and cities and do ever, all the work and we'll set taskmasters over them. And Now they're outgrowing us. Let's make sure their children are drowned in the, in the water. Let's establish a mandatory abortion. And all of a sudden... God said, wait a minute, what do I hear? Oh, I hear the cry of my people because they're saying, I want to go home. I don't like Egypt anymore. So what God did, he created a need in them for him to get them out because he'd already promised Abraham hundreds of years earlier, I'm taking them over here. They were comfortable here. God made them uncomfortable so he could fulfill the promise. Saint of God, he's got a promise that's been made to this church. There is going to be a rapture. There's going to be a catching away. There's going to be a time when the church is called up. He's already made the promise. He's already given this, this, this inheritance, this down payment. I want you to notice this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. The Apostle Paul understood some things that the average probably didn't understand. In fact, the Apostle Peter said some of the things that Paul writes is hard to understand. I'm talking about one apostle talking about another apostle. He said, yeah, he's way out there. But he had some revelation. Notice what he says in Ephesians 1, verse 9 through 12. He said, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. He's purposed some things in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, you see, it wasn't about Abraham only. It's beyond Abraham. It's beyond a nation that has been called out and separated from all the idolatrous nations that worship a multiplicity of gods. Think about this. He said, I want a nation that knows, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and I want, I'm a jealous God, and I want you to worship me and me only. He said, You are a peculiar treasure unto me. And he calls them away from all the other nations unto one nation with the best land. And now he's fulfilling that plan through the Old Testament and he reaches into the New Testament and he embodies himself. And the second Adam is walking in the dominion, the authority and the power of the first Adam that failed in the wilderness. But when Jesus steps into the wilderness, he did not question the word whenever Satan said, has the Lord said, or has God said, Jesus said, get behind me. Notice the apostle Paul picks up on this. He understands this. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him. In whom, verse 11, also we, speaking to the Gentiles, not the descendants of Abraham, but we are now the descendants of Abraham, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, According to the purpose of him who worketh all things 
after the counsel of his own will. The great patriarchs, they were trying to survive the day. Gideon was hiding behind the wine press, right? Hiding behind something. And the angel said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And he said, oh, my Lord. They were trying to survive the day. Moses was comfortable being a shepherd. And for 40 years he lived away from the limelight. But in the fullness of time, God steps into a burning bush. And he said, Moses, now it's time. You tried it earlier on your own power, but the people need to see my power. They need to have a Red Sea experience. They need to have manna from heaven. They need to have water coming from a rock. They need to have, think about this. If God is going to have a lamb sacrificed, if God is going to have a lamb from the foundation, if God's going to have a Calvary, he's first got to have a Passover. Can you imagine the mindset of somebody that calculates in a death angel and the applying of the blood on the doorpost to have a Passover only to point toward Jesus Christ that we've got to have the blood of the Lamb applied to our hearts. Can we imagine thousands of years prior to the birth of Jesus he's already calculated the Passover in. He's already applied the blood. Pointing, 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 pointing toward Jesus Christ. And we can understand this God by walking in on a Wednesday night with our minds on the job? I'm not throwing stones. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm trying to get my mind and I'm trying to get your mind to realize we've got to have an altar. We've got to have somewhere where we bow ourselves before the presence of God and say, God, get every carnal thought out of me. God, forgive me for anything I've touched, anything I've thought, anything I've imagined, anything I've said, anything that is defiling to this vessel. Forgive me of that, God, and let my mindset be ready to receive from your throne tonight. He said, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I want you to think of this as this unfolds. Over a 6,000 year period, we see the prophets step in, prophesying. We see the birth of the nation. We see Jacob saying, I will not release thee, do you bless me? All these things are playing out. All these things are unfolding. And it's pointing toward our day. Can you get that in your spirit? Everything we've read about is about our day. Do you think when Naomi went into that foreign land 
that she was coming out empty-handed. It was not God. Do you not think it was God's will to bring a Ruth out of there so he could show a Gentile nation that's going to be grafted in to the royal family? Do you not think God calculated all this out, the death of her father or her husband, the death of her two sons, but they've got a Ruth that's going to cleave unto her and say, your God's going to be my God. And God said, I can work with that. I can work with that. I'm going to graft that in. They're going to be, she's going to be in the family. But if we're just a casual reader, it goes right over our head. But if I'm going to be, and you're going to be what God wants you to be, you better have some things established. You better know some things because all hell's fury comes against the church. And if you don't have some things established in your mind, in your heart, God's got this, God's taking care of me, I'm part of the plan, this is working out for my good, God's got this taken care of, we're, we're going to melt under the heat and the pressure. And somebody's going to say, where is brother so-and-so? Oh, I don't know, he ain't been here in six years. Why? He didn't have the foundation. So we've got to know some things. We've got to establish some things. I'm going to quit with these couple scriptures here. I read this one uh, a service or two ago, but I wanted to bring it back. And I want you to understand that sometimes God simply creates the need in your life for him. You're uncomfortable. You don't like it. But he's creating that in your life so you'll need him. And you can't fix it on your own. You can't repair it on your own. You can't change it on your own. You've got to reach out to him, and he wants it that way. I want you to notice Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 18, verse 19. Jeremiah's preaching, ministering, prophesying to an exiled nation. Their sins had put them in a position where their land had been taken from them. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 18. In those days, the people of Judah and Israel will return together from exile in the north. They will return to the land I gave their ancestors as an inheritance forever. I like the fact that they place in there the word forever, non-negotiable. It's yours. Right? Y'all with me? I think somewhere it says the gifts and what? Callings of God are without repentance. That, what she said, that's the word. It's not my word, it's his word. I gave this land to you forever, so I'm getting you back out of the bondage you're in. I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land. Notice what he states. The finest possession in the world. This is the best I could find for you. This is the best. It's the finest possession in the world. This strip of land right here, I gave it to you. I look forward to your calling me father. I wanted you never to turn from me. But we're aliens of the commonwealth. We're foreigners. The Apostle Paul said we were a people without a God, right? So how's he going to fix that? How's he going to bring that in? Stand with me tonight.
Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, probably my, one of my favorite chapters to remind us we need God. He said, all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So Jeremiah said, I look forward to your calling me Father. I wanted you never to turn from me. So in the New Testament, and it's all pointing toward our day, church, be excited about the day you're living. You were not born out of season. You were not born out of time. You were born for this day. And it is pointing toward our day. And I've changed my prayer to include for our, for our community, God create a need in our community for you. We were at district camp last week, week before last, sometime or another, and in just passing, I heard a minister, don't remember who it was, but he made the statement that God created a need in them. And I, I began to think about that yesterday. I was at prison ministry, and God began to run this whole process through my mind of Abraham of the nation, of the people that were at home in Egypt. All these things that God had to work through to get to our day, and it's all pointing toward our day. It's all pointing toward our day. Everything's pointing toward our day because we are the raptured church. We are the church that will go home to the new Jerusalem, and everything on earth melts away. Is that what the word says? Heaven and earth shall melt away. So everything he's done here on earth culminates in the rapture of the church and we're going to a new Jerusalem. Aren't you thankful today you know the truth? Aren't you thankful to know the facts? Notice this. He said you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. I don't have to fear anything. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't have to fear anything here on earth. But it comes, it has to be with a revelation. It has to be with a revelation. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So God had to create the need in the people for him so they want to leave Egypt. Now think about this. How many people today that are called Christians are pretty stinking comfortable right where they're at? 
How many Christians woke up this morning and said, Even so, Lord, come. I want to be comfortable. But God wants us to be ready. Saints of God, we got an opportunity to pray. While there's peace, while there's grace, while all things are right, we got an opportunity to pray. And we need to be building this foundation of faith with revelation that we've studied, we've shown ourselves approved unto God, that we can rightly divide this word. There are winds of doctrine that are sweeping apostolic churches off their foundation. We better be established in the apostles' doctrine and understand what thus saith the Lord so that we do not allow things that's blowing by to change our God in our own mindset, in our own hearts. I want to get into this as, as deep as I possibly can. If, if God allows, we're going to... We're, we're going to uh, get into some of the worship, some of the things that of, of entertaining the presence of God, the Spirit of God, and, and what He's asking of us, what He's requiring of us as this nation that's separated from the world, that's a peculiar nation, a holy nation, and try to go in, in depth as, as much as possible. But that'll be, that'll be in a day or so. But I want us to pray right now. I want us to seek God for a moment. It's 20 minutes after 8, not horribly late. Why don't, why don't you just lift your voice, lift your hands, lift your heart, however you need to do it. Say, God, I need a revelation. And I, I can tell you right now, it's very scary to pray, God, create a need in me for you. That's scary. That's a scary prayer if you understand where I'm coming from. But I'm praying that for our community. I'm praying that for, for, for people that do not know the Lord. God, create a need in them for you. I plead the blood of Jesus over the service tonight, God, that we are able to retain, that we're able to make sense. God, I don't know if I presented this in the manner that it should have been, but I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, help us to study, to show ourselves approved. God, help these people to work out their own salvation with fear, with trembling. Help us to establish some principles, some guidelines. God, help us to establish some foundations in our life that we grow in grace, that we grow in truth, that we grow in revelation. I pray these people tonight, God, be established in the word, that they have revelation truth, that they walk in your spirit. I pray you to cover us tonight, God. Hide us from the enemy, but I pray, God, that let us be the light that you've required us to be the salt of the earth. I do love you tonight. I honor you and worship you tonight. Come on, let's reach out to him one more time. Just for a second, just for a second. Reach out to God right now. God's wanting to establish some covenants. He's wanting to establish some things in our hearts. He's wanting us to know with an assurity he's coming back after the church. He's, he's making himself and preparing a place for us. He's making things ready for his bride that has adorned herself. God's making everything right right now, waiting patiently. As he told Abraham, he said, he said, this land has not warranted their destruction yet.
but in 400 years I'm coming after your children and they're coming back to this land. Maybe the sin level has not reached the peak as of yet, but there will be a day when the rapture of the church takes place. Tribulation like no other time on earth is going to take place and men are going to wish they could die because of the torment and because of the struggle. But right now, we're staying in the, in the portal of grace. We're standing in the presence of an Almighty that's pouring Himself and showering Himself out on His people to call us out of darkness to a marvelous light. Won't you reach out to Him for just a moment and worship this mighty God? Won't you reach out to Him for just a moment and honor this King of all kings and Lord of all lords? It is not by mistake you're here tonight, not by accident that you're in the sanctuary tonight, but God is reaching out to His people and drawing close to us that we might know his voice, that we might know his will and remind ourselves that we are part of the plan. I do not have the spirit of slavery. I do not have the spirit of fear, but I have the spirit of adoption where I am grafted into this holy nation and I am part of his royal family. Hallelujah. Somebody worship God for a moment. Somebody lift your voice for a moment. Somebody honor God for a moment. He's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we honor the name set above every other tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Saints, this is the most important place I go any day of the week, right here. It's the most important place. He said, Timothy, I want you to know how you ought to behave yourself in the house of the Lord. I want to walk in here different than I walk into Walmart. I want to walk in here different than I walk into a business. I want to walk in here with a different mindset different thought process, a different way of conducting myself, I'm in the presence of an almighty. Can we have that mindset? As we walk in here on Friday evening for youth rally, let's walk in here with a mindset. God's going to do the miraculous tonight. God's going to heal somebody tonight. God's going to work a miracle in filling somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Tomorrow night, 630 Planning session, try to be finished somewhere around 7 or so. We're going to, stay, we're going to try to do some cleaning and prep work for, for our rally. Love you all. Hey, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.